Hi everyone, it's Joachim Akren, your host of the Elite Game Developers Podcast, a podcast about the entrepreneurs and investors who are building the games companies of the future. In this episode, I'm talking with Elad Levy, who is the founder and CEO of Dive, who are a new kind of game analytics provider. As many of you know, I previously worked at Supercell as director of analytics from 2011 to 2012, before I went on to found Next Games in 2013. I work with data in gaming for over 10 years now, and I was thrilled to have this interesting discussion with Elad. His company Dive has been operating in in free-to-play gaming, especially with mobile developers, but they're now also venturing to provide analytics for Roblox games. In this first episode with Elad, we talk about how game studios are embracing data and how studios are building data into their decision-making processes. But before we go to this episode, here's a few words from our sponsors. At Pollen VC, we provide mobile app and game developers revolving lines of credit, enabling you to borrow up to four times your monthly revenues with simple and transparent pricing. As part of our commitment to the ecosystem, we also provide a suite of free tools and resources to improve financial literacy helping studios make the most informed decisions when it comes to finance. And that's why we've been named Best Service Provider in this year's Pocket Gamer Mobile Game Awards. Visit pollen.bc to learn more. Are you a mobile game developer who's looking to try something new on the ad creative side? My top pick would be influencer-generated content, IGC, by Opera Event. Influencers and actors will make specific content from your games and Opera Event will deliver you high-quality video ads that highlight the best parts of your game. Go to getigc.com to see some examples. That's getigc.com. All right, we're live. Hi, Elad. Welcome to the show. Hi, Joachim. Thank you for having me. Great to have you. It's like we've been talking about doing this for a while now. Uh, I think we had conversations already last year and then like it's been on and off that we would do it. And then we started really thinking about it this summer and now we're here. Yeah, I really love all the stuff you're doing with EGD and uh, I listen to your podcast pretty often. So it's uh, it's an honor to be <laughs> be part of it yeah that, that, it's thanks for those kind words i i like yeah i, I think this topic that we're going to be covering today you're sort of like the real specialist to, to go deep into analytics and and so i'm really thrilled to have you here like I, i'll just shout out the first question for you or just ask it with normal volume can you talk about your origin story and how did you make your way into gaming? Yeah, so I I actually started like about twenty years ago uh, in a in a kind of a different industry, the online casino industry. And um, I quit my job. I started in Triple Eight, and we built an online casino brand that we operated for several years. And I ended up selling my shares. It's uh, the online casino industry is a pretty nasty 
heavy regulated industry. So it uh, was kind of like a, a, a good thing to switch to social. And yeah. we, we co-founded, I co-founded the, a company called Pacific Interactive with a game called House of Fun, a social casino. And we raised a couple of rounds. Uh, we had an explosive growth and we ended up selling the company super fast, maybe too fast after like two years or so. And we sold it to CIE, Caesars and Platica. And I joined Platica um, after uh, we all cashed out uh, as part of the executive team to continue scaling the, the house of fun. And, and I stayed in Platica for several years afterwards, also working with their other studios. So it was, it was really fun uh, working there. And then Platica eventually had a big sale to Giant that happened a few years back. And um, in the beginning, I, I did my try <laughs> tried uh, uh, still do from time to time doing angel investments. I, I had this urge to to build again. To to, to I, I love building teams and products. And uh, for me, it was like this urge came again, and I started the dive. And that's a really interesting story. Like I, I think one of those aspects, really, from your early career, is interesting. Is like how do you think that your work in online casino, social casino, like Did that prepare you to to get into analytics? First of all, I mean the, the game itself, the mechanic of online casino in in general, real money gambling doesn't have like a doesn't have like a game economy and a virtual currency. So you, you put a lot of emphasis in the in game operations, in data, in marketing, in optimizing. So Um, also, the company I worked with, I worked at Triple Eight, and afterwards, uh, they were very, very heavy on like uh, focused on data. So it was always, you know, a part of uh, of my my life. The thing is that obviously, online casino in terms of magnitude of volume doesn't go near social. Social is like the, the amount of uh, data is is insane. But um, social casino also has this mechanic, like this simple, rather simple mechanic. I mean, if you compare it to, I don't know, to an MMO or a strategy game. They, so many of the social casino companies put a lot of focus on data, on live ops, on maximizing LTV and stuff like that. It, like, like thinking about the whole like audience here that I have uh, with the elite game developers, there, there's a bunch of founders there who are just getting started um like thinking about like you going and starting your your company back in the day in the online casino space what things did you do early on that you think really propelled you to this success that you have nowadays you know i think that every startup is a, is basically buying time in a way <laughs> it's yeah. a runway that you burn and hoping for Uh, making it, you know, finding a way to make it through. Uh, mm-hmm. For us, it was always around the, the people. I think that's the, the number one asset of a company, the, the people. And then obviously there are other things that fall into, you know, like market timing, market size, stuff like that. But the people is definitely the, the most important thing. And finding those people is really, really hard. It's really hard. And so, um Like finding that group of people that you know get along with each other, that play along with each other, 
but uh, again, it's a, it's it's a matter of runway that you buy until hopefully you make it. Mm. This is how I see it. I mean, it's 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 a the more experience you have, the less mistakes you're going to make. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. No, yeah. But basically, yeah. but basically, the money is there, like to make mistakes until you get that that fit. You know that product market fit, that game market fit. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's like everybody can sh- show sort of like that they're they're they know what they're doing, but it's it's all about you know this kind of like experimentation and then doing doing mistakes and and learning and doing quickly stuff uh, and hoping that you do quality decisions versus like you can't hit the right decisions all the time you were mentioning the this kind of the, the people aspect there can you talk more about like when you are hiring a team how do you balance the team members who are more junior and just getting started and then you're hiring these expert pros like what is the balance there when you when you're hiring a team so i think the first hires in a company are super sensitive because every key hire you make will will build that team or that department department around that that person kind of like shape that i mean he he or she will come with their experience and then that the team will of of that person will start getting shaped around them so i know obviously if it's a you know it's a cto he will dictate the vision for the technology if it's marketing if it's a cmo or vp marketing if it's an art director if it's a vp product uh, what, what i mean and so those key hires for me are are like the building blocks you know of a of a company and and th- those are the most important people after that you know if you take someone less experienced that's fine you know uh, you can maybe train them or that uh, individual or that person that key hire person that you hired will train them um also those i mean when you raise funds uh, vcs focus a lot on the team they invest in they invest in people they invest in teams and um, obviously if you are x this x that uh, have experience building companies if you've been around the block then it will the raising process will be easier as well so it's it's inflicting and everything yeah 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 I, i totally agree that like the aspect of what kind of team you have is it's not the i wouldn't say it's an easy way to increase your value at the early stage when you still don't have revenue and numbers and things like that but it is true that if if you can attract talented people to join your effort kind of like taking on that mission and joining the team it is the best way to build value before the product and i don't i don't think people appreciate it enough in the industry yeah i mean you know i i, mean, I always say that like first and foremost the ceos you know the the founder's job is to is to make sure there's money in the company <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because yeah. otherwise because otherwise it stops i mean if there's no more fuel it stops running so that's like the first yes. and most important thing but then yeah. the whole the finding talent and hiring those people and getting them to follow your vision is 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 you know is also really really important if you want to get the right people on 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 the bus you know yep yeah totally agree hey let, let's talk more about dive um your current company how how did you get started with the idea so um 
about two and a half years ago, I wanted to start again. And I visit a lot of, you know, game conferences and speak a lot with game studios. And the gap between um, the Platica, the Scopely, the Zynga, the big top grossing companies out there and and the rest of the pack is insane. The gap is, and, and I think that this gap is is mainly noted when it comes to game operation. Let's call it game operation, like beta, live ops, and marketing, community and management, and stuff like that. You know, where in the big companies they really um, became experts in each and every like each area. And uh, small game studios. I mean, if you look at like a small cell like a small studio uh, it's it's basically you know developers art uh, game designer product maybe uh, but so they don't have time to focus on the on the other stuff on the game operations and data is obviously a, a crucial uh, part of the success of a, of a game or any product and so the idea that uh, we had was to build a company around that, around data, around the, like with the data technology and everything with the platform. But the most important thing for us was to accompany those game studios throughout their data and live ops process. Because building a data team in-house is, it's complicated. It's expensive. Finding those people is very hard. It's very, very hard. For us, it was, you know, let's accompany those game studios in the process, let's hold their hand. That was the idea, basically. Uh, and make sure that, you know, data is right, that we centralize all the data in one place, that the quality of the data is correct. And over time, the, the platform started growing. We ended up building more and more features. We added a live ops dashboard for segmentation and A-B testing. And it, it's kind of like took a life of its own and started growing. We are almost 20 people today and running on 40 games so it, it it really grew this thing really grew you know it's sort of like that bridging that gap between the the best developers who are doing gaming with data and the rest like bridging that gap is is definitely a, a worthwhile mission like like thinking about the, the approach that you took which which was this sort of like customizing per game like how did you end up with this this approach and like how did it become evident to you as you were building dive well to be honest i i myself we started you know when we started house of fun we started with the third party tool and like very quickly we threw it away and started building it in-house which was which was insane i mean we we made a ton of mistakes when we built it in-house and eventually we pulled through but you know i sometimes consult to big game companies out there out there and they they don't they they they're still struggling with this with this topic of data and games is not something i, I don't want to generalize because it's not all types of games but um, because for example hyper casual is, is a very different animal but games that focus on like high iap high ltv uh, like game as a service let's call it uh, those type of games um requires a ton of iteration and a ton of customization and trying to generalize the approach in an off-the-shelf tool like with a cookie cutter approach it's just it's just impossible 
And, and it's the same in other industries as well. I mean, if you take SAP, if you take Salesforce, those are not platforms that you, that you just take, you deploy it and that's it, you start using it. You have to customize it to every business. And, and we see games this way. We see games as, as, as something that you need to customize, customize data around them and, and tailor you know, the dashboard, the inside, the live ops, everything around the game. It's not, I don't think there are really two games that are really identical. Everyone like puts his, his own uh, twist. But um, I mean, you've been there yourself, you know, you know that uh, it, it can take months to iterate on the game economy and the balancing and hitting the right KPIs and then balancing the marketing. It's, it's a very long process, you know, that requires a lot of iteration and customization and data. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a big process. Uh, yeah. I, I totally agree with you on, on the customizing the approach <laughs> per game. Like, yeah, I've, I've seen so many third party tools that like when it, when there isn't the possibility of flexibility, for a game like it just falls and fails really ba- badly yeah like thinking about the companies that you are working with what kind of game studios are you attracting to dive so the majority obviously are early stage we try to focus on early stage that have funding or are vc backed because launching a game today with zero funding for user acquisition is I, the probability of it working is like i don't know Almost zero. It's it's really hard. You need you know that runway to experiment and iterate on the product. And uh, obviously, those companies, those early stage companies, don't have time for building data teams or making mistakes with data. They just need you know uh, they need the data available. They need the right insight about their the game, the product. And uh, for us, this is a perfect match. The other client that started appearing in the last year, and we have a few of those as well, are game studios that just got sick. They got, they got sick of data. <laughs> to make it like, I mean, uh, I, I wish I could, I mean, I could quote one of the CTOs that I spoke with him. He said, I'm, I'm just sick of it. You know, I mean, I'm building something for like, I know, two years and then some big company come and poach all my people <laughs> and then, then another guy comes and the new guy starts rebuilding everything and he wants a different technology and and it's it's an ongoing and then management are like complaining because the reports in the morning are are not loading properly or the numbers are inaccurate or the marketing people are annoyed because uh, i know the networks and the attribution providers show different numbers and it you know mm-hmm. it's 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 messy, you know. It's messy. You need someone to, to babysit it yeah. and take care of it. <laughs> I know, man. It's I don't. Yeah. By the way, yeah. By the way, you know, I'm I'm I speak from time to time with people, you know, in the industry that you know also uh, do M and As, and they and they tell me very often that when they open up, you know, like the numbers and start doing due diligence, the data is is a complete mess. <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah 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 you want to be having all the things working but because it the complexity of the whole endeavor and the scale it's pretty massive actually the endeavor to, to build it yourself so yeah i like, i don't think but you know you can build an amazing team without the i mean 
without the I mean, you can build an amazing team without a product, but you would probably you will probably not make money. <laughs> the, the game yeah. is number one. The, the product yes. and the game is number one. Let's let's get that clear first. If the game is yeah. not good, nothing will help. Not data, not marketing. If the game is shit, and the game is shit. <laughs> it's as simple that, as that. Ma- so maybe we we could elaborate to the audience why like an in-house solution can be a hard thing to to pull off. Maybe you can elaborate on that. Yeah. So um, I mean, if you like x-ray uh, uh, data team in a big company then um, you will see that it's it's basically a, a mix of data engineers those are the people that collect the data normalize it aggregate it optimize it obviously whatever technology you use it's going to slow down so you need to do optimizations there as well you need to hook up with all the marketing channels Sometimes you have different currencies, so you have to normalize that. So, like, there's a data engineering part, which is the, the I call it the ugly part of data. There are data analysts uh, that uh, usually work very closely with the product people uh, or game designers and uh, kind of extract uh, insight and connect it to the business. There are uh, reporting, data reporting, uh, which is like people that do all the dashboards. Uh, there's data scientists uh, that, you know, if you want to get into uh, more advanced uh, prediction models or, you know, using machine learning or leveraging stuff like that, then that's like this type of profile. And then someone needs to lead all this band, you know, and it's probably like a VP data or so. I mean, if you try building it in-house, you will need several people to do that because it's very unlikely that And I see that that mistake very often, to be honest. I mean, for example, a data analyst or a data scientist, those are people that, you know, are very academic or, you know, studied, I know, math or have a PhD in, I know, or study statistics, or they're coming from a completely different background of a data engineer that is more of a developer or like someone that would come from, you know, IT maybe, So those are like really different skill sets and finding one that does it all is nearly impossible. I mean, so the team gets really expensive really fast. And then you add to that the technologies that you're using, the off-the-shelf tools, the third-party tools that you're mixing, and, and it becomes really expensive really fast, really complicated. So it's not easy, you know? If the basic like KPIs that you need are just for the core loop, the, that's fine. You can use an off-the-shelf tool. But when you start taking it seriously, when you start digging into balancing game economy, then, then, then you need raw data. You need to start manipulating. You need to start crossing it with the marketing data, with the crashes, with this, with that. You know, It, it becomes complicated. I, I sort of like have a deja vu here feeling, but yeah, I've, <laughs> I've, I've had a dis- discussion so many times thinking about data teams in my career. Yeah, it it is it is a big like sort of like hiring exercise as well, and it often is hard to do it pre-revenue, uh, so it it is very capital intense. Like in a, in the very very early stages of a company, it really shouldn't be the focus. I mean. I think the product is something that should always be inside the company. This is like the the number one thing, the, the game vision, let's call it, okay? The product vision. After that, yeah, you can outsource stuff. You can outsource data. You can outsource 
I don't know, maybe development. You can outsource marketing. You know, what, whatever gets you there fast instead of wasting time building everything in-house. Mm, totally. Hey, I wanted to, to sort of like go a bit deeper here on like a company embracing analytics. What do you think are the characteristics of a, of a game studio that kind of embraces analytics and uses analytics in a, uh, in a way that really propels them to this kind of success with a game? Like, do you, do you have any thoughts there? Yeah, so for me, again, it comes back to uh, the product. Uh, the game design, the the one that dictates like the, the vision or like has in his head how he thinks the, the game uh, should be. And and then tech basically like development serves that team. Data uh, serves that person, I mean. And data also serves that person. And data for me is something that, I mean, that, that's another common mistake that I see. Like many companies, they just start dumping, you know, a ton of events, which 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 is wrong because the data is, data should start with questions. This is this is the the, the healthy process uh, that should take place, um, and those questions normally arise with arise from you know product people, maybe game designers, maybe management, can be also developers. But um, those questions um, can you know can be simple ones like you know I know like installs or logins or, or retention and they can be more complex of like, I don't know, crossing marketing data with that, uh, with that uh, gameplay or uh, checking the game economy of a, of a specific segment. Let's not forget that this is free to play. And you, you have what, I don't know, a very small percentage of the population is going to pay and is going to be very engaged. The rest is like, coming and going you know yeah <laughs> so you cannot you cannot treat the same you cannot analyze the same like someone who plays like two hours a day with someone that plays five minutes a day it's it's two different people yeah and, it is yeah that that focus like do you think it like you're thinking about the different segments of players out there and you have a game team that is dumping all the events like what is sort of like the the core message there that they should take to you know go go back and embrace the data a bit more even like do you have thoughts on like how they could do that focusing exercise i would just start with with the basic stuff you know and build on top of that because let's say that i mean you start you start the game company you focus on the on the basic stuff you focus on I know session length and engagement and retention and 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 stuff like that. And you don't need to focus on I know click through rate in a pop up. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's a, it's a, now it might be cool to develop that, but it's a total waste of time product wise. You know. Yes. So I I always say you know focus on the basic. Not even to be honest, not even monetization in the beginning. Focus mm-hmm. on the core loop. You know, focus on, it might sound uh, odd from someone who loves data, but make it, make a fun game. (laughs) Make a fun game. Make make something that, that clicks, that people like, you know, focus on a, on a good core loop and, you know, start building it from there uh, slowly, you know, adding just a handful of events every time, you know, that will answer the uh, uh, more and more questions. 
about the balancing, about the economy, about, you know, and when you go to like take marketing seriously, then obviously you, you will need to hook up all the marketing channels and measure there the uh, ROI, ROAS. So just take it step by step. This is like my, my best advice. Yeah, that's really good. There's also this often this saying of, you know, not being data driven, but being data informed. Do, do you think this applies to being successful in, in free to play um, where you need to sort of balance between that creativity of making the game and also making the right decisions uh, so that you can make, you can really push <laughs> the game forward. Like what, what do you think about this relation to the data driven and data informed? I, I think, I, I think it's two different topics. Um, I, I would, dif- I would like separate different things data informed is something that it's a must it's a must it's a must because otherwise i mean obviously the creative portion is is important in the game because the the product guy the game designer they see like a cool feature maybe in the competition maybe they get inspired from a different game maybe i don't know maybe they had this crazy idea they need to validate it somehow if you launch a feature without measuring it it's it's a waste of time yeah. <laughs> i mean uh, so data informed is is a must for the product people from the game you know also developers developers you know they need to measure crashes or performance you know like you know memory or fps or stuff like that uh, investors they need to know what's going on in the in the company you know so data informed is is a must data driven for me is a, is a different thing it's more I would connect it more with live ops because this is for me is the part where you need to start segmenting the population or personalizing the the whether it's offers or game ex- experience and and this is more of a data driven approach or for example I know you want to build some prediction model that you see like whether a player is going to be a paying user or, or is going to be an engaged player and maybe you want to modify the game experience in the beginning because of that this is all like really hardcore data-driven stuff you know yeah. like optimizing the game yeah yeah and you need to be doing that but like how do you see this like when you're using data throughout the stages of the, the game's lifetime, you were talking about the early stage where you're looking at session length and attention, but like, how do you see sort of like those best practices evolving with the stages of the game's lifetime? The first days are obviously like D1, D2, D3. This is like a core loop. Um, and yes, obviously, you know, retention is important there, you know, engagement sessions per day, session length, stuff like that, the basic stuff. Um, and by the way, you see it very, I mean, you see it in hyper casual, uh, because, um, the, the core loop is fun in hyper casual, you know, it's like you take it and you play it and then you want to play it again, you know, maybe you get sick of it after a few days, but you know, at least in yeah. the beginning, you really like, you really enjoy the game. So the, the core loop is, is important because it's something that is going to repeat all the time. So it must be fun. Uh, yeah. And after that, you know, you can do some marketing tests, maybe 500 installs, maybe 1,000 installs, like bursts to, to see if there is, you know, the response. And this is another important thing that I like saying. It's not only data that gives you feedback there. It's also the community because um, 
data will I don't know, will show you if there is like a loading funnel that is not working, but people will tell you things that data cannot. So making it easy for the players to give feedback is, is important as well. And I think those early stages are really focused on, on those, like the basic stuff. And after that, when you start building more of the metagame or uh, like adding more layers to the game, this is where the balancing and the game economy and eventually the monetization will start taking place. That's the depth you know, of the game. This is your D28, D60, D90, D whatever, you know? This is like a, a completely different thing. Yeah. Do you feel that then the live ops is, is separate from this? How, how do you see that sort of like live ops coming in as, as its own? I, I think it's one of those key components all the developers will add, but it's so complex. How, how do you see that sort of like coming in? Because I remember like this focus in early mobile free-to-play was that you had to have the core experience really well and that needs retained for months. But then we shifted towards this uh, live ops model in so many games. Yeah, but I mean, it's not, it's like the core loop and the progression systems for me are like the, the building blocks because, um, you know, and, and over time your company, you know, as, as you go through those stages of development, balancing the game economy, and the game, you know, you do more and heavier marketing tests and, you know, need to see if you can justify the, the user acquisition cost, the CPI. But then this is an important thing because, you know, the bottom line is, is that everyone will pay more or less the same CPI unless you investigate some sort of a new marketing channel, you know, which is also an option. But you know, if you go to the big marketing channels out there, you know, the Facebook, the Google, everyone will pay more or less the same CPI. The question is how much, I mean, how can you maximize that LTV? And this is where LiveOps comes into place because the, the more, I mean, we started House of Fun, we had, I think, a sale, one sale in the weekend. And when I left, we had like two game events per day. And if you go to like, if you look at the Asian market, they have like, a, I don't know, several events in one day, which is like super yeah. intense. It's super. I mean, imagine that every event is, you know, coordinating the art and speaking with, I don't know, with the development team, maybe, maybe there's something that needs to be, you know, activated and checking that you're not generating some sort of a hangover in the game economy when you activate this event. And then measuring it afterwards, maybe you need to coordinate also with the marketing team so that there's no like big campaign coming in. It's, it's a ton of work. I mean, it's a ton of work, but it, it contributes a, a ton of money to, to, to the revenue. In, in some cases, you know, it, it will contribute up to 50% of the game revenue will come from, from live ops. Don't get me wrong. I honestly think that, again, if the game itself in its core, if the progression system, if it's not healthy, then then I wouldn't I wouldn't jump into doing live ops. I think live ops is something that you add on top of something that already has some sort of like a base, you know. Because ad just, otherwise, yeah. otherwise you you you'll mess up with the game completely. If you I don't know you make like an aggressive sale or do some event in the weekend and give a ton of virtual currency, you will mess up, you can mess up the game economy completely if, if the game is not healthy and cannot stabilize itself afterward. 
Thanks for listening in on this first episode with Elad Levy. We're going to come back to the second part of this interview in a month's time. So in the meantime, take care, everybody. See you out there. Bye-bye.